And I'm going to invite you to rise and welcome this beautiful face, our pastor, Jay Patterson. Thank you, Peggy. Thank you all for uh, patronizing me and saying that I have a beautiful face. (laughs) Oh, my. Some things you're called to do as a pastor are just awkward. (laughs) But I'm so thankful for all of you, and I'm thankful for the opportunity that we're going to have this upcoming Saturday to just be able to celebrate um, and honor the, the pastors here at our Father's house. Um, we, we have really worked to maintain and to steward a, um, a culture of honor here at our Father's house for, for decades, and we're, we're continuing to endeavor to do so. And so I appreciate when uh, when we were able to call speakers to the uh, to the pulpit here, and you rise and you and you clap and, and give them your support, and it's important for us to uh, receive those that the Lord sends to us in a manner worthy of the Lord. And so we've we've really uh, purposed to do that, and we're continuing to do so. And so this opportunity on on Saturdays just meant to be a really good time out on the back lawn, uh, weather permitting. It should be nice and cool and. The the fire should be fun. S'mores and hot dogs around the fire is a, is a good time. And uh, it should be a good family time. So I'm looking forward to that. And I'm thankful for those who have been setting that up for us. So I know Pastor Dan and I can speak for both of us. We really appreciate that support from all of you. 17 years ago today was the first time I came through these doors. It was a Halloween, actually. It was, uh, yeah, it was kind of, kind of fun. I was here. Uh, some, some of you know this already. I think I've, sp- I've spoken about it a couple of times, but my first time here uh, was when I came out here to for an interview on the base, and uh, I stayed extra long so I could I could be here on Sunday because I wanted to try out this church that I heard was a risky place to go to. <laughs> that sounds like fun, so I I really wanted to experience that, and uh, so I came in through the doors here and. Uh, of course, Brian Dickerson uh, sat down with me and my friend as we sat here uh, in in the chairs together. Got to know him a little bit. Pastor Lanny and Patty had been uh, traveling in Australia visiting their son, and so they were back home visiting. And Bishop Sergei, for those of you who've been around long enough to remember him, was here preaching. And I think Lee or uh, Keith Wallace was leading worship back then. It was a different time, but it was uh, it was a wonderful time, and I enjoyed the family feel of everybody who was here. There was lots of laughing and joking. It was Pastor Appreciation Sunday, and, and uh, you know, it was just great to see how everybody loved and cared for one another. And so I'm thankful for what we have been able to continue to steward from that time on to now and what's going to come on in the future as well. But I just remember the, the weather was similar to what it is now. The leaves are starting to turn, and I, I'd come from Arizona, which was not very colorful at that time other than Lots of red dirt and uh, things like that. But getting to be here and seeing the, the turning of the, the colors in the trees was, was wonderful. And here we are again, the same type of thing happening. So for me, it's a kind of a nostalgic time right now. And I was just thankful to be able to kind of reflect upon the water under the bridge uh, with the Lord uh, coming here today. As many of you know, we've been, uh, we just kicked off last Sunday a, a series on prayer. The Lord's been really calling us to prayer. I think a lot of us have noticed just how he's been drawing us to that place, but I think it's been worthwhile for us to acknowledge that and say, all right, we're going to do a series on prayer and, and really try to dive into this and work this into uh, our lives, exercise it a bit more, uh, refresh ourselves in our understanding, and for some of us, maybe begin to endeavor and start off on our a journey in a life of prayer with the Lord. So last week I, I did a, a real broad flyover of prayer in general and helped us to, to just get a, a little bit of our bearings but recognized we're not going to get into everything. And I don't even think this series will be able to get into everything on prayer, but we'll, we'll do our best to cover a good portion of things and, uh, and give us also some practical steps and applications for how we can move forward in a life of prayer. So, 
I'm going to uh, kind of share this sermon with a family member today. And I'm going to do that in kind of a, a unique way. And I'll give you a little bit of a backstory on that first. Um, if you were with us back in June, Katie and I were officially installed here as the lead pastor family here at our father's house. And that was a, a wonderful celebration. It was a wonderful ceremony. We were really thankful for that. And uh, it was just an con- incredibly memorable time. And as part of what w- was actually a surprise to me, I got a gift from my, my parents that, actually two gifts from my parents that totally shocked me and blew me away. Uh, I didn't know it was coming. They weren't actually able to be here present with us, but they had a video recorded and played and, and uh, delivered the gifts to me uh, by Katie and the boys as, as we were here. One of those gifts was the Bible that my great-grandfather, Fred Boys used when he was alive. For, and it was specifically his Bible that he would use uh, in personal study and in, uh, in teaching Sunday school. He was a Presbyterian uh, guy. He was not a pastor. He was a farmer, but he was a, a Sunday school teacher and had an incredible life of fellowship and dedicated, dedication and commitment to the Lord. And he is probably the most influential person in helping bring my father to the Lord. And as my father looks back at the man in his life that really set an example and a standard of what it meant to be a follower of Christ, he would say it was his grandfather. And so to receive his Bible was a huge deal to me. And in that Bible were some notes. And that was pretty exciting to start to dig into that a little bit. But secondarily, um, my father sent a ring to me. It's the ring that's on this hand right here. And this ring, as it turns out, is either a wedding ring or a ring that was given to him on his wedding day uh, back 99 years before us standing here and being installed as pastors. And being that he was a farmer, he didn't wear that ring during the week. As you can imagine, he's a dairy farmer. It's a messy, messy life. Uh, but he would wear it on Sundays, and my father would remember when he was a small child seeing it on my, my great-grandfather's hand. And so I get to wear that with me today. And I try to wear it daily because it's a reminder to me of who he was, who he is, but also the inheritance and legacy that, that I have, I have inherited it seems a bit self-serving to share some of these things, so I'm just going to tell you again, uh, being a pastor can be kind of awkward, puts you in awkward situations. I want to share some things with you here today uh, for a number of reasons. One, I think they're an incredible illustration to us of legacy that we leave to those who come beyond us. Okay, So this is an example, and it's a living example for us of what God has done and what he can do through each and every single one of us. So I want to share that with you here today. Additionally, As the shepherd over this house, things that have influenced my life and are continuing to influence my life influence you. God prepares us, and when we stand in these places over any given thing, you you stand either over your family or over roles in your jobs or, or whatever it is, and the Lord influences you so you can influence that place. So I want you guys to understand some of the things that have come into, into me personally and the things that I carry because it influences you. And there's an inheritance for me. There's also an inheritance for us as a people. God does that. Okay. So I want to share some of these things with you because I think they're, they're really important. Now, my grandfather, Fred, as I shared, uh, he was a farmer. And so much of the wisdom that he had came from his agricultural life but also, he was a man who was living, trying to make a living, and had interactions with the people around him, much like we do ourselves. And so he was, he was a real human being, and he had a passion for Jesus. And I know that he had a committed life of prayer uh, because of some of the stories that I've heard from him and of him um, through my father. And it was clear to me that he had a very intimate relationship with God. 
In fact, you, you may have heard me share this. I think I've shared this publicly, but the day he passed, he knew he was passing that day because the Lord had told him, I'm taking you home today. And I've always thought that'd be like the best way to go, to know this is your last day. And he would come home uh, out of the, you know out of the farmyard during lunch. He would have uh, he would have lunch with my great grandmother, and then uh, as was his pattern, he would go and take a nap, and then he would go back out and finish his work for the rest of the day. The day he passed away, he came home and said, "Sweetheart, the Lord told me I'm going home today." And so they spent time together. He showed her where everything was. Everything was in order. Here's who you need to call for this, that, and the other thing. They embraced. He gave her a kiss. He laid down for his nap, and he never woke up. He woke up in the presence of the Lord. So this is a man that I know walked closely with God. And so I was amazed when I opened the Bible and found these notes there. And there's a paper clip around these handwritten notes and um, I don't know when the last time it was that paper clip was removed from those, those notes. It was like, fused to the paper. And so I peeled it back and opened it up. And it was, among a couple of things, was a sermonette that he had written about prayer. So I want to share that with you here today. It's special to me, but I think it's going to be special to you as well. And some of it's going to sound a bit similar to what we shared last week. Uh, he goes through the Lord's Prayer, and he breaks it down. But it's his, his take on the importance of each one of those lines. And so I want to share that with you so you can, you can hear it from him. Now, prior to that, I'm going to have us read a bit of Scripture, just so that we can kind of have that in our, our ram and in our, our memory, our present memory. As we look into the scripture, if you will, please go to Matthew chapter 6. Who's got their Bibles with them here today? Yes. Who's got their Bible apps with them here today? Yes. Who's got their notebooks with them here today? Notebooks? Yes. Good, good. Awesome. We've been digging digging into Scripture, and today we're not going to be processing as much Scripture as we have, but it's very important for us to be in the Word. And I personally really like the manual version of the Word. Sometimes you pick up other things on on what you can see than you would as clearly on a screen. We're going to start here um, at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Now, when Jesus is teaching here, he doesn't go... Immediately, and this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't go immediately into um, the Lord's Prayer. However, there's a context here that I'd like us to pick up in 6, verse 1. It says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And so he goes here into giving to the needy. He says, So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogue, synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So we read that because it provides context for the next statements that come. Okay? We don't want to just get hung out on one specific, specific scripture. We want to see the context, especially as there's a, a, a whole thread that, that the Lord is weaving through this sermon here. So the immediate context there is things that are done in secret, not before men, are really done before God. And that he is, we have an audience of one. We want to be focused on who our audience is. And this passage through the Sermon on the, on the Mount has a lot to do with things that are unseen coming into the scene. And God's watching what takes place unseen and brings it forward to the scene. And so, even as what we're about to do from decades and decades ago, my great-grandfather preaching a sermonette is now here generations later being preached to you as well. God takes those things and he chooses to honor them 
He takes, takes the small things and he, and he brings them forward. And so I'm hoping as we come forward with this today, like we said, a culture of honor. We want to honor those who come before us as we receive what they have as an inheritance and continue to bring it forward as a blessing. So this is the, the giving to the needy. Then he goes into prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Again, he's, he's talking about the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth. They have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. But wait, I thought, isn't, aren't we supposed to be persistent in prayer and keep coming to Him? Yeah. It's both and. It's not an either or. It's both and. He's not saying here, don't keep coming to him. But don't think that because you keep saying things and keep saying things and keep saying things, that's going to earn you the reward. Your father already knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For you forgive men when they sin against you. Your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. He goes then into fasting. And again, he uses the model of, Don't make it public that you're fasting. Keep that private. Because again, you're doing that before the Lord. You're not doing this to impress anybody else. Do it for Him. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. And start in verse 9. Now, this doesn't specifically come up in, in the sermon we're about to read, but, but it just kind of resonated with me as I was looking at, at this message. This is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's important for us to come to the Lord with a humble heart, a sincere heart. We hear the, the term often, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I think there's some value to that, but I don't think it fully meets where we are in the kingdom. In the kingdom, we're actually called sons. And we're forgiven of our sins. I'd rather look at it as, I'm a son who sometimes sins, and I still need grace. But keeping in remembrance that we are dependent on God and we're dependent on his, his forgiveness and his redemption and his transformation and his power being resident in our life is an incredibly important thing for us to do. Prayer 
as Christ has taught us to pray, keeps us in that place of humility and surrender and submission to God. So we went through this last week, but we're going to go through it again because I think it's an excellent part, an excellent place for us to start. For some of us, we've been at prayer for a very long time. We can recite the Lord's Prayer very easily. We've gone through and learned prayer models of, of how to pray through this and and how to structure our prayers around the Lord's Prayer. But for others of us, we may be very new in our journey in prayer and not knowing where to start. I think it was important that when Jesus started to teach them how to pray, he gave them a model how to pray, and he told them, essentially, don't let your goal be to be a great public prayer for other men to see you, because that's not what I'm looking for. He says, go instead into your prayer closet, where it's just you and God, and talk to, you, talk to your Father. Come to your Father. It's very much a relational-based understanding with the mightiness of God, how big He is, how great He is, all of that, but an intimate place with Him. And it starts kind of at ground zero. Just pray this way. Model your prayers this way. Approach him like this. Go to your father. All right, so we're going to go into this sermonette by my grandfather, Fred Boyce. Now, I don't know when he wrote this, but it was a long time ago in the last century. So you'll hear some references to long time ago in the last century. So try to bring them forward and translate them as best you can into modern day. But... Even just the language is different than how we would speak today. Okay? What is prayer? Is prayer a mere saying of words, such as repeating the Lord's Prayer? Or asking of some meaningless little petition over and over again as a matter of form before or after a day's work? No. There is not any desire in these phrases. We might just as well turn on the Victrola because it could do the repeating and we might be doing something worthwhile. For those of us that don't know what a Victrola is, it's an old-timey record player. Might as well just turn that on because it'll just keep repeating. Did the hypocrite pray when he cried out on the corner and smote himself on the chest and thanked God that he was not as other men, etc.? Yes, I think he did. He had a desire in his heart. He did not express it in the words he said aloud. He was talking out loud, but his heart was offering a prayer. It was a stingy, little, selfish, good-for-nothing, harmful prayer. It was, God, have folks look at me. Is not that what he was asking? And that is what he got. His prayer was answered. Here we are 2,000 years later, still looking at that man. So from this, let us draw a definition for prayer and see what we can do with it. We decided that prayer was not the mere repetition of words or a Victrola record would do, but that it was a heartfelt need or desire, or putting it into better form, prayer is the soul's sincere desire Uttered or unuttered? I've thought about that phrase quite a bit. Prayer is the soul's sincere desire, uttered or unuttered. I don't think that captures all of prayer, but I think it captures a big portion of what prayer is for us. Now then, with this idea of prayer, let us see how we should present our prayer to God. In order to pray, we must come to, or in order to pray, must we come to church or to a gathering of people and call out our prayer? No. If we are really going to pray, it must be a heart-to-heart talk to Christ. Not a vain repetition of words, but a heart-to-heart talk. And Christ gives us an example. Our Father, which art in heaven, To begin with, we can speak to God, 
the mighty, all-powerful, omnipotent one as father. A father's duty is to provide for his children. And we have the privilege to call upon God as a father who is able to grant our petitions. A father who, as Paul says in Ephesians 20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now what could be more wonderful? We might think it great to call Henry Ford a dad. Again, this was written a long time ago. So think about the context of the time. But great as Henry is, he cannot be compared to God. And we can't call Henry father. But God, we can. It'd be like the modern day equivalent of like Warren Buffett. Taking the next phrase, hallowed be thy name. Is this a phrase to give God, as it were, a little soft soap? We don't use the term any longer. But soft soap is, giving somebody soft soap is like sucking up to them. My sucking up to God would be like, you're, you're just so great. No. Hallow means to make holy or to show reverence to. It might be a little more modern English, so as to show reverence to his name or character. Or to reveal, acquaint himself to us, so that we may grasp more fully his wonderful love to us. Then take the phrase, thy kingdom come. We as Americans are one by birth. A foreigner who comes here becomes an American by choice. Just so, we are all born into the world, but are left to choose whether we will belong to God's kingdom. God does not force us into subjection. It must be as a desire on our part. His kingdom is not built by force as the earthly kingdoms are. So when we offer this prayer, we ask that God's goodness transforms our whole life. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here we see that prayer is not a means to persuade God to do our will but to bring us into a place where we will desire to do God's will. This is a a central theme in this this sermonette. Okay? So I just want to pause and take hold of this for a moment. The arc of where he's going with this is this. We don't come to God to get all the things that we want. Prayer is a place where where God transforms our heart as we come close to him, living in an attitude of prayer and building a relationship with him over time where he transforms us and conforms us to him. To where we continue to come to that place and we find our priorities begin to align with his, not on the things that we would naturally bring to him. Not my will, but thine be done. We often hear folks say, if God is on our side, we will win. There is a doubt about the thing they are doing. Let us remember to take our daily task to God and have his direction in what we do and then do it. Christ gives us an example of this when he prays in the garden, not my will, but thine be done. Give us this day our daily bread. In this land of plenty, let us not forget that it is God-given. We can plant and can prepare the soil in a condition to make the best plant growth. But to make the growth or the increase, it is entirely, and he underlined that, it is entirely from God. And he just allows us gives us the privilege of working in his great garden. God gives the increase. Most of us don't actually have to work the soil for our food or to feed others, but this man did. 
He spent his life working in the soil, working with animals, doing all those things to make a living for his family and for those that were around him in his community. And he underlines, the increase is entirely from God. Forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Just as our daily need for food brings us to God with a cry of give, so if we are sincere, we will have conscious need and a cry of forgive. Think about that. Give us today our daily bread. Got it. Please give me this. But if we're sincere, we have a conscious need and a cry to him to forgive us as well. The more God reveals himself to us as we prayed in Hallow Thy Name, the more unworthy we will feel of his great love and forgiveness. We come closer and closer to God. We recognize just truly how holy he is and how great a gift salvation and forgiveness is for us. Now up to this point, there has been no condition. Everything has been free for the asking. But here, God puts a condition. We can only be forgiven as we have also forgiven. It seems hard work sometimes to forgive our fellow man. It seems that he has wronged us so great an extent. We are looking at it the wrong way. It is not how much we must forgive him. It is how much more God has forgiven us. The dimes we forgive him are not to be compared with the dollars Christ has forgiven us. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Lead us not into temptation. It seems a funny thing to ask God, to have to ask God not to lead us into temptation. Have you ever thought about that? Here's his thoughts. But I think the meaning of this is to teach us to see his will be done before he has to let us have to fall to bring us to our senses. We are here in this world as free will agents. God says, go thy way in Ecclesiastes 11.9. Because you're probably not familiar with that. We'll read Ecclesiastes 11.9. You who are young, be happy while you are young. And let your heart give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. And so to direct us along life's way, he has given us the privilege of prayer. And we might take a verse for guidance in Romans 8, 5, which says this, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. That's the sermonette. I was so personally thankful to read what he shared there about forgiveness. You know, we're, we're in a time where I think we've all probably been offended one way or another. We've all been challenged one way or another. We've seen relationships broken and fractured throughout this time. And this man, my great-grandfather, was nearly ruined in business by other people. In fact, his business was pretty well ruined by a large organization. And the Lord ultimately restored him. But to hear him right here, that it seems like we are wounded basically to so great an extent by others, God still requires us to come to a place of forgiveness. But our standpoint often is how much we've been wronged and how much we're having to forgive. And, and he turns it right around on us and says, no, that's, that's not the right 
way for us to look at it. We're looking at it the wrong way around. We must remember how much we have been forgiven ourselves. And you remember the parable of the the servant who was forgiven of so so much, and then, I mean, if you look at the the amount of talents that he he owed, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. It's not something he would have been able to learn and work off in his lifetime, but he was forgiven that debt. And then he turns around and doesn't forgive his fellow servant who owed him a very small debt. So it's a consistent message there that we're to forgive. We're to forgive because we've been forgiven. And I love the way that the Lord phrases that. Please forgive us as we have also forgiven those who have trespassed against us or those who are indebted to us. It He's presupposing that we've learned that lesson. He's presupposing that we've learned that we're to forgive others and that we're coming to God with that same heart. The leading us not into temptation, that that word for temptation there can also be used for for trials or um, challenges that we face and and whatnot. So you you can look at it that way as well. We know that God doesn't tempt us. But he does allow things to come our way. And we do face various trials. But it's still right and, and fine for us to come to him and say, Lord, please don't lead us into that today. But deliver us from evil. All of this prayer brings us to a place of being conformed in our hearts to a God's plan and what his agenda is. Prayer isn't about us going and like going to a vending machine and ordering what we want and having that come out. Prayer and a lifestyle of prayer is about us coming to that place of intimacy and relationship with our Father, speaking to Him, hearing from Him, bringing the things that are on our heart before Him, being in that place of fellowship with Him, and recognizing that He hears us. And through time, we get shaped by Him. We want our lives to align with his purposes and his plans. Prayer brings us into that place of cooperation with him where we are moving with the spirit and we are aligned with him and he is using us to almost repeat back to him the things that he's wanting to do in the earth. It gives us an opportunity to co-labor with him as we grow in it. Now, If you're new to prayer, or if it's something that you haven't grown a lot of experience or comfort in, as we talk about prayer and as you hear a lot about this, and you might look up online, what are some great ways to pray? What are some really great prayer models? We hear about people that have prayer lives where they're two to three hours in the morning before everything starts in prayer, and at the end of the day, they've got another hour or two in prayer. And you think, I don't even know how I could even do that. How am I even going to fill that time? How am I going to do that? Um, I have a good heart before the Lord, but it's just so intimidating. And the point is, essentially, as Jesus says, you just start. You start small. It's a conversation with your Father. As you grow in greater intimacy and relationship with Him, that time should increase. It should expand. There is sacrifice to set other things aside to come to him in prayer. We do actually need to prioritize that time for him in prayer. But it can be any time. Some of us don't have the time in the morning to start off our day in prayer. But we may be able to find it in other times in the day. I'll share from my own life a little bit here. When I started uh, work here on base years ago, I was newly returned to the Lord. I prayed, and I prayed fairly haphazardly, but I would pray. And I found myself in suddenly a job where I had to, I had to really perform. And I was having to make designs and and come up with solutions to problems, and there was a lot of complexity to what I was doing. And my, my responsibilities now in life had shifted, and I realized that I needed to be praying while I was on, on the job for the things that I was doing, and I had the opportunity to do so. 
I don't remember where that came from, what sermon I may have heard or somebody encouraging me to do that, but I really wanted to encounter God in the workplace, in the work that I was doing. I recognized that he cares about me for my, my spirit, for my, my uh, identity as a son in his kingdom, but I also recognized that he had placed me in that location to do the work that he had given me responsibility over, and he was interested that I do it well. So was my employer. But he was interested in me doing it well. I was interested in doing it well. And it was a lot of design work, which has a lot of creative, create, creativity and creative aspects to it. And you can run up against walls in design work. Does anybody else here do design work? Yeah. You know that as you're doing it, you'll run up against walls, and you can sometimes beat up against a wall for a week as you're trying to find a way through it, knowing there's another side to it. And there's other creative processes as well. Writers have the same challenges. Those um, who do things that require that creativity often will, will reach a block. And I recognized I have access to the creator of the universe. I'm going to try to use what gifts and skills he's given me. But I found that I would still come up against blocks. So what did I do? I'd go take a walk. I would take a walk around the building, and I would just pray. Father, you know how to do this. You've created all things. You know what the problems are that I'm facing. You know all the challenges that I have with this. You know all the design requirements, all of it. And I've been trying to figure it out, and I just can't get it. So I just ask that you would reveal to me what it is that I need to do here. And wouldn't you know, after pounding my head against the wall for a week, half an hour later I'd have an answer and a breakthrough and a design. Because that's who he is. And it's that same model. Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. You know what design needs to happen here. I just asked for you to bring it here. And that started a relationship with me and the Lord in the work that I was doing and coming to him and really seeking not to wait so long to come to him, but try to stay in that place with him of, of connectivity to be able to bring those things into the workplace started praying for other people that I was around, praying for the interactions that were going on there, praying over our family life, praying over the other things that God was doing. And and what you find is as you start to venture into prayer, all of a sudden nothing is off limits anymore. You have the opportunity to talk to God about anything. You have the opportunity to come to him and ask for insights into the things that you're doing. He may put a, a burden on your heart for those that you're around or a burden on your heart for the area that you live in or the, uh, the processes that are coming up uh, for construction and new businesses or what, whatever it is. God has put you in a place where he's looking to enact his will in the earth through cooperation and coordination with you. And it starts by coming to him humbly and remembering, Lord, you have a plan and a purpose here. And I get to come to you as your agent here in this place. When I was in seventh grade, my family moved to Colorado Springs, Colorado, to start a satellite campus for the church that we were from in Oakland, California. We went with a group of families and we started that. And My job was to be the sound, the sound man there as a seventh grader. <laughs> Here's a soundboard kid. This is how you do it. And that was my, one of my roles and responsibilities. I to help set up the church and tear it down because we were in a school. Anybody else lived that type of nomadic church life before? Yeah, it's every, all hands on deck. Let's, let's get this going. Make it happen. And I remember after we would set up church on Saturday night, we'd get there Sunday morning. The, the worship team would warm up and we'd do all that. And then we'd usually have about 15 minutes of downtime, as you do. We have that about here as well before the, the service started. And I remember my father taking my brother and I to the back of the sanctuary, and we would walk back and forth across the room, and he would just have us pray over the service. My, my dad was not the pastor. He was one of the leaders. But we'd just pray over the service, and we'd pray over that space, and welcome the Holy Spirit, and do all those things. The same types of things that you see us doing here as we start on Sunday mornings before worship. My father was teaching me how to pray, and I remember at the time, I don't know how to do this. 
I don't even know what to say. Dad's saying most of the stuff. We're just walking with him. But, Lord, please show up. Do what you're going to do. All those things. But over time, I, I watched as that became a pattern for us. And he was training and mentoring me and my brother into that place of recognizing that we, as the body of Christ, have the opportunity to set up an atmosphere for God to move. And that happens in prayer. By taking those moments to do the things that other, things, other people might think are a little bit crazy and weird to do. To pray over a space. Or pray over all the chairs that are here. Or to pray over the property. Or for you to pray over your home. And to bless the openings into your house. To walk the perimeter of your property and declare this is a place that belongs to the Lord. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has rule and reign over this location. And as when people come in here, they're going to experience the presence and the peace of God. And it will be different than what they experience in other places. To by prayer, praying over your neighborhood, praying over your friends, praying over the interactions that you have with people. God is looking for us to start somewhere with him. He's looking for us to take that first step with him. He's looking for us that if we've fallen away from that or back down from that, to step back in. He's in a place of grace on this right now. So this is going to sound like a repeat from last week, but it's true. He's in this place where he's calling us deeper into prayer with him. He's calling us into that journey with him. There's a lot for us to learn. I'm learning a lot right now, personally. Like I said earlier, the things that happen for me as the pastor over this place, God has to do work in me first if he wants it to happen in the house. So he's been calling me into deeper places of intimacy and prayer with him. He's basically said to me, you need to step up your prayer game. You need to come in deeper with me. There's some new strategies I need you to be working on. Why? Not just for me. It is for my benefit. But it's for you too. The Lord wants to open this doorway for us into new avenues and new heights in prayer. We've seen him impacting things incredibly in prayer during this time. He's moving our hearts this way. I have been delighted by those that have come to me over this past couple weeks and just expressed the types of prayers they've been, they've been praying. The consistency in prayer they've had for a long time. We have some incredible prayer warriors in this house. And God is, is stirring things up right now. And I expect that's going to continue to persist. It's going to continue to grow. The Lord's looking to establish that in a new way for us. And I'm excited about that. So today, as, I'm sh- as I've shared this message from my great-grandfather, I've personally been encouraged to recognize the depth of relationship that and experience that man had in, in prayer with the Lord. When my dad came to Christ as a young man, he took a trip back to Michigan to see his grandparents. And in that place, he said... I gave my life to Jesus. This is during the Jesus movement. Some of you may have come out up in the Jesus movement. It was in the Jesus movement. He came back to them and says, I, I, I gave my life to Jesus. And they were overjoyed. They said, we have been praying for you every day of your life. We've been praying for you every day of your life. He came to the Lord. All of his children have come to the Lord. He's led other people to the Lord. There's a legacy that has taken place because of those people and those that came before them. But I know of these two that just laid their life down in prayer for those that were coming after them. Who knows? They may have been praying for me. They may have been praying for you. But we have a legacy that we have to leave as we as we come closer and closer to uniting ourselves and yielding with what the Lord is wanting to do 
He has a plan and a purpose that goes far beyond anything that you and I could ever dream of or plan or design or prepare for. Our desires have a terminal end to them. His desires are eternal. And he says, yield what you want and come alongside what I want. It's my firm belief, the closer we get to, the more we yield and the closer we get to what he wants more often, the greater impact we see through eternity, through what we agree to do in our yes to the Lord. Proverbs 13.22. I love this verse. A good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children. The other half says, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. That's also a good promise. It's not just talking about monetary or material inheritance that we pass on to those who come beyond us. I really think the the core of this is the spiritual aspect of things. We leave an inheritance to our children's children. I'm a children's children's children of my great-grandfather. And I know that there's an inheritance that I have from him and my grandmother and those who came before them and my parents that it's incumbent upon me and Katie to pick up in our time and say, Lord, we want to move this thing forward in our day. The prayers that we pray are not only for the moment that we are in. They reverberate on down through history. They have greater impact than we could ever imagine. My grandfather's in glory right now. He's received his eternal reward But the effects of what he did in his life and the choices that he made are continuing to affect history. They're continuing to come to life today. And I know we have the opportunity in this time to hear his words and say, Amen to that. Amen to all that. I'm called to forgiveness. I'm called to a yielded life before God. I'm called to say, Lord, not my will, but yours to be done. I'm, I'm called to recognize that every increase in my life comes from him not from me. I can do my work, I can be diligent, I can do all those things, but all of the increase comes from him. So the question is for us, what are we going to do in our lives? You have that time that you'll see on your headstone, your birth date, And the day you went home to him, and that dash in between, is your life. What are you going to choose to do in your life to serve him? How much are you going to yield of your will to his? How much are you going to set aside the things that you would rather do so you can spend more time with him? Here's a secret. The more time you spend with him, the more you want to set aside those other things to be with him. And he blesses you. And he blesses those around you. As I've been reflecting on my grandfather this week, um, I got news this week that uh, the, the pastor of the church that I grew up in passed away. His name is Pastor David Kitely. His mother started a church in Oakland, California a long time ago, back before I was a kid. She came out of a a Pentecostal movement out of Canada, and they came to Oakland, California in the middle of an inner city area and planted a church in a really dark neighborhood where there was a lot of crime and other things going on. And they were faithful to the Lord in that place. And they watched and prayed and did battle and warfare and prayer. And that, the blocks surrounding that church were transformed by the impact of that church being there. And the lives of the people that were there were transformed and they became part of the church that God had there. And this man took the lead from his mother 
And he was my pastor when I was a kid. And I remember him pacing up and back and forth across the church with his microphone with the long cords. Does anybody remember the really long cords that used to be on? Pacing back and forth, up and... That man was so faithful to the Lord. I didn't know this, but he was struggling in his health for decades. And as I understand it, that started as he was on a missions trip smuggling Bibles into China. And barely got out of there with his life after he got uh, some rare illness that was over there. But he struggled for decades, but you would never know it because he didn't want anybody to know it. He just had a life committed to the Lord in such a powerful and profound way. And that church has ministered to nations. It's ministered to people of high and low class just across the strata because they are a place that is about being the people of God. You could walk into that church and it looked like heaven because you had people of every nationality and language and ethnicity and you'd look there and you'd see it all. Everyone that God had brought there, and there was a lot, were there living in a powerful and reconciled situation. It was an incredible testimony of what the Spirit of God does, bringing us through, into unity in the heart of a place that is incredibly divided. Oakland is a violent city. But there is unity in that church, and it actually impacted the other churches in the area. I just want to take a moment to honor the life of that man and what his family has done and continues to do in that place and to many places around the world. Because like my grandfather left an inheritance that's come down through our family line, there's also a spiritual inheritance that I know we carry from the church that we grew up in. The DNA from that church is something that I carry here. It just does. It just is. And I have that man and his family to thank for it, for how they laid down their lives consistently in submission to the Lord and what he wanted to do. And there are hundreds and probably thousands and maybe tens of thousands or more people around the planet right now that are also likewise impacted by, by that family's dedication and his life. All right. Come to the end here. What does this mean for us, folks? What is it that God is calling us to? Can you hear him wooing you in this time? As I'm, as I'm speaking to you today, you're probably doing some of those mental, emotional, spiritual gymnastics inside you of, Lord, what do you what do you us in this time to say, come a little deeper with me? For some of us, take that first step. For some of us, it's take that next step. But to each of us, he's calling us into that. This next Sunday is an encounter Sunday. I believe the Lord's wanting us to use that time to do some prayer. Some corporate prayer, some specific type of prayer. Still going to have the praise and worship and all of that. But your presence. Each and every single one of us. And leading up to that, that trip, which was a vacation for us, we recognized that the Lord was actually bringing us to a place that was the northernmost point of, of the circuit that the circuit riders used to do at that time that helped to usher in the Great Awakening came to this nation. And there was a little church there that was the, the North Stop in York. And that happened to be right around the corner from where we were staying. So we went there, check out that church, and sure enough, it's still there. And we said, we want to find the headstones of the pastor and his wife that were helping to lead that movement. And we did. We found them. We could find them there in the cemetery. And we stood there in that place and said, Lord, we recognize that this couple paid a great price. They came before you in prayer. They humbled themselves and helped to usher in your awakening here in this land. 
and you did a mighty work, a mighty revival. And the reverberations of that are still happening here today. So we just stand here in this time and choose to resonate with the prayers and the covenants that were made in that point in time. Lord, we ask that you would continue to release your presence and your revival here in this land in our time. We're in a legacy that the Lord has been leaving and it's this chain that he's been, he's been linking throughout time. And we have the opportunity in our lifetimes to come into alignment with what God's plans and purposes have been with a host of believers who have come before us. We have a great crowd, crowd, a cloud of witnesses that's watching us and cheering us on in this day and age where they say, yes, Lord, look, look, they're, they're doing the same things that you were doing in us. Lord, the prayers that you had me praying for 50 years are coming to pass now, and here's those that are, are living in that thing. Look, Lord, they're aligning themselves with what you were doing. Through. Yeah, go for it, go for it, go for it. Run your race. Don't get distracted. Keep close to him and keep moving it forward. And there will be those who come after us who will live in the blessings of the things that we bring before the Lord as well. Because it's not about our will or how clever we are. It's about, how, it's about His will and how mighty and powerful and wonderful and loving and kind and good and faithful He is through all the generations. Will you stand? As we finish out today, I just want to say, show of hands, is there anybody here who's got pain in your body that you need healing for? Yeah? Okay. Those that are around them, I just ask in this next few moments, if you just raise your hands if you have pain in your body and you need some prayer. All right, those that are around them, I just ask you to come close to them. It would be unwise of me to speak about prayer and then not give us an opportunity to pray for those who need healing. Our brother Eric is still in the hospital. He still needs prayer. If you've been praying for him, I just encourage you to continue to do so and continue to go to the website and keep getting updates for what's going on there. He still needs a lot of prayer. The Lord's been so faithful to him, but we want to continue in that place of just lifting him up. He's not out of the woods yet. Our prayers have made an incredible difference in that situation. Right now we're going to pray for him. We're going to pray for these in this room and anybody else that we know who's sick or ill with COVID or anything else right now. So if you have somebody that, uh, that you know who is, uh, who's ill or is injured or whatnot, just to ask as we pray right now to have them uh, in your mind and put them before the Lord and ask for his healing over them. So, Father, we just pray right now. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the healer. We thank you, Jesus, as, as Peggy uh, reminded us today, Lord, that you were pierced for our transgressions, Lord. Lord, you, were, uh, you, you have stripes on your back, Lord, that took place for our healing. It's by those stripes that we are healed, Lord. You chose to do that for us. So, Lord, right now, we just call on your grace to bring healing to those that are here in this room, Lord. Lord, you know every pain, you know every injury, you know the history, Lord, of how it happened, where it happened, why it happened, all of it, Lord. So right now, Father, we just we release your healing grace to transform these bodies in the name of Jesus. Lord, that you would free them from pain, you would free them from illness, you'd free them, Lord, from uh, any sort of degenerative d- diseases, Lord, from anything that would be uh, a result from trauma. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we just speak your grace, Lord, to go back prior to that incident of trauma, Lord, and heal that injury in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for everyone that has COVID that can hear this, Lord, right now, whether they're, they're signing on, Lord Jesus,
or or it's somebody that someone in this room is thinking of that they know of lord we just pray your healing grace to come and free their bodies lord jesus we speak death to this covid virus in the name of jesus and life to their bodies lord i pray that any damage that has been done in their bodies would be reversed from this in jesus name I speak health over lungs in jesus name lord i pray for taste and smell to come back for people lord jesus for for coughs and any persistent cough or any uh persistent um, dizziness or um, or fogginess in their mind, Lord, to cease right now, that clarity would come in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray for your blessings of peace to come and set good order over your people where the enemy has brought in disorder. In Jesus' name, we release your grace right now, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray for our brother Eric right now, specifically, Lord. There, He's there uh, in the hospital, Lord Jesus. Bring healing to his body as well, Lord. Lord, I pray for... Oh, Lord, I pray for the uh, the pastor family that I know, Lord, the Steinbergs, Lord. My old pastor's out in Colorado, Lord. They're, they have COVID right now, Lord Jesus. I pray for them, Lord, in the hospitals, Lord, that you would bring healing and grace to their bodies right now, Lord Jesus. Lord, for anybody that has come to our mind, Lord, that we know of, we just release your grace from this meeting right now towards them, Father. We thank you, Holy Spirit, and we pray your blessing of peace over them in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, in this time that we're coming forward, answering your call to prayer. Lord, I ask that as we come to meet you in prayer, Lord, that we would find a grace. We would find a grace to experience you there like we never have before, Lord. Lord, where there's been hindrances in our mind or in our experience, Lord, maybe we had a bad experience with this at some point in time, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you would heal those experiences, Lord Jesus, and would replace that with an experience of love, of tenderness, of comfort, of grace, of strength, of power, of peace, Lord, as we come into that place with you. Lord, I ask right now that there would be those who have been fearful or reluctant to pray, who you would transform into prayer warriors, Lord, where their trajectory in prayer and intimacy with you, Lord, would be forever changed. I thank you, Father. Lord, you want your house to be a house of prayer. So we choose now, Lord, to align with your will and your purpose in us, Lord. Lord, I thank you for those who have labored in prayer with you and have have long, consistent histories of prayer with you, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would use them to shepherd new people into prayer, Lord. Lord, that you would use them as mentors, Lord, that like my father, Lord, they would take those under their wing and, and, and show them and mentor and disciple them into avenues of prayer, Lord. Lord, we just pray for a legacy to come from every person in this house forward, Lord, of a lifestyle of prayer, Lord, and alignment and commitment and devotion to you. We bless these days in Jesus' mighty name. We commit them to you, Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, well, folks, I hope to see you Wednesday for Pursuit Night and for the Bible, uh, Bible class. If you haven't signed up for that yet, please do. You can go out. You can watch the, uh, the videos that we've had already. Josh is doing a great job with that class. Love you guys. Bless you. See you this weekend.